you can be praying for them. It is my delight, though, to be able to introduce to you the speaker this morning. Uh, in this new role that I have, uh, it, I automatically put on the Simpson University uh, Board of Trustees, which has allowed me the opportunity to get to know Dr. Hall. Uh, Dr. Norman Hall has been uh, leading Simpson University. We have, that's our school, our college, as well as Tozer Seminary, which is also in Redding, California. Those are our schools as a Christian Missionary Alliance. And we em embrace that, support that, and we want to send our kids there. And it's a great place for an education. I've been impressed with how many people I run into in the area who uh, are graduated from Simpson. And so it is my pleasure to introduce to you Dr. Hall and come. His wife, Allison, is here with him. They have three adult kids and two dogs. And uh, we're, we're grateful that he's able to be here. So may the Lord be with you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I am learning to preach from my iPad, so I apologize in advance. If you start hearing a Coles ad, something has gone wrong. So I don't know about you, but sometimes things pop up on your screen you didn't anticipate. Well, uh, I'm just going to tell you that I have multiple. Well, first, sorry, let me back up. Angela and Carl, where are you? Wow. Wow. Can we give these folks a big hand? I typically have multiple, uh, I'm a storyteller more than a, a pastor, which may be similar as I think about it. And by the way, can I get in on that off-road thing? I've got, a, I, I've got a rental and I think I could make it work. Uh, I would love to do that sort of thing with this church. Seems like you guys are having a lot of fun. So when I talk, I usually have a lot of titles for my talk. I just added one, uh, come just as you are. Uh, those words spoke so profoundly to me this morning. Another one is, am I a big man? Another one is, uh, things are not always as they seem. Another one is, hesitant to go, too comfortable. Another one is, prepare to be astonished. Not by me, by the way. Uh, the other one is, Jonah, the miscast flannel graph. Oh, and by the way, my message will undoubtedly uh, contain a shameless plug for Christian higher education and maybe Simpson University. Uh, so, yeah, okay, I'm getting a message here. Yes, yes, Simpson U, okay. Okay, so uh, a few videos, a, li a little bit of stuff here, a little bit about my history. Allison and I lived in Greenville, Illinois. I'd been a vice president for student affairs for 20 years. Uh, in the last couple of years, I started an English learning uh, school in the university. We designed and built our house. All of our family was there, like all of my side of the family. Allison's from Northern Ireland. So we had Sunday lunches, uh, always as a larger family. And um, I, I uh, yeah, the last three years, I spent an enormous amount of time traveling around the globe. I went to China 11 times in three years, uh, Taiwan, Thailand, uh, India, South America, of course, Brazil, uh, Nicaragua, Guatemala. And I was pretty tired, but I felt like the Lord was using me. 
And uh, Allison began to, oh, there's our old dog, Lewis. We're doing a little uh, reading together. I had no idea that the Lord had a plan for me called Simpson University. And that's at the heart of some of the message here today because I was, uh, I was beginning to think about that I would be buried on the hill up at the end of town and I would cruise into retirement where I was and everything would just be great. But the Lord began to whisper to us, actually Allison first, the Lord said to her, it's, it's time for you guys to go on an adventure. And then somebody gave me Richard Rohr's book, Falling Forward, and uh, that the story, well, here we are. And this was not our plan. And so there's one of my titles, Things Are Not Always As They Seem. Sometimes we have our ideas, but God has a different idea. So come just as you are and prepare for the Lord to engage you if you have a willing heart and spirit. So, so a few years ago, uh, I'm just going to tell you this story. I was in Nicaragua. Now, I had gotten pretty good at traveling all around the world by myself, uh, barely uh, with competency in the English language. But nonetheless, there I would be, and quite often I would be looking at my Google Translator, which, by the way, will betray you often, especially in China. I'm pretty sure that I offered some, I think I ordered some ornaments for my car at one point. But uh, it, I was in Nicaragua by myself. Nicaragua was a little bit of a dangerous place sometimes. But nonetheless, it was time for me to go out to the lobby and have my uh, iPad call FaceTime with the family. So I went out there. And, and in the lobby of the hotel, off to one side, there was a big archway that went out to a pool. You know, it's nice and warm always in Nicaragua, so there's no need really for doors. You just wander out to the pool. And behind me, there was a restaurant combined with a bar and a pool hall with a half wall, right, uh, onto the lobby. So there's three or four pool games going, there's people at the bar, there's people eating. And then on the other side of a lobby, about from here to where that door is over there, there was a guy, and when you're in Nicaragua, if you want towels, you have to go to that guy in the window, and he'll give you your towels. You get an allocation, they keep track of that. So I was doing my chat on FaceTime, and here comes a guy about your size. What's your name? Chris, about Chris's size, and he sits down in the lobby over here, and I'm over here, and I'm talking to my family, and he began, his eyebrows begin to go down and look at me uh, rather disapprovingly, and I thought, man, I wonder if I'm being too loud. So I said to Allison, she remembers, so there's a guy sitting next to me. I was sure he didn't speak English, so I could say, I'm, I'm going I'm to look this up, and so I say in Spanish to him, am I too loud? And he says, un poquito, a, li a little bit. So I think, wow, there's a pool hall, there's all kinds of things. And uh, he uh, continues, I'm talking to them, you know, and, and his, his eyebrows are now down near his lips. He's really unhappy. So I ask him again, am I too loud? And what does he say? Yes, a little bit. So, uh, so I said to Allison, I better go pretty soon. This guy seems pretty unhappy. And so I said one more time, am I, am I really too loud? And Paquito. And he gets up and walks away rather distressed. So I thought, well, I'm in Nicaragua. I don't know anybody. I better get out of the lobby because I've just upset one of the locals. So I said to Allison, I've got to go. I've got to go get my towel. So I folded up and went across the lobby. 
the guy gave me the towel. He had a smile on his face. I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? He said, I know what you're going to ask. I said, really? I said, uh, what, what was going on over there? He said, I don't know what was really going on, but you kept asking that fellow, am I a big man? <laughs> am I a big man? No, really, am I a big man? <laughs> you, know, you just got to laugh with it sometimes. And about that time, I was also reading uh, uh, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, and I laughed, Eugene Peterson, and I laughed wondering where Jesus was in that scenario. So today, let's get into Jonah a little bit. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go to Jonah 3, 1 through 5 and 10. I'm just going to read from the Scripture. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed. And maybe this is so familiar to me because the Lord visited this on me while I was traveling because I felt like I was trying to follow his lead around the world. So Jonah obeyed. Oh, by the way, I don't think of myself as, this is just a preliminary statement, I don't think of myself as Jonah nor uh, Simpson University as Nineveh, okay? Uh, Jonah obeyed the the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And you know he went to Spain first, right? You all know that? He got on the... Anyway. Uh, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Then let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw them and what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So now I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about Jonah. When I was growing up in Sunday school in the American Baptist Church in southern Illinois, my Sunday school teacher was Mrs. Luganbill. And Mrs. Luganbill was very proud of her flannel graph. Did any of you? This was pre-technology. The flannel graph was the thing. And the boys in the church used to think it was really funny to have to go to the bathroom. You go to the church basement, you move things around on the flannel graph. Anybody own up to that? All right, there's some truth tellers in here. But anyway, I remember, I remember Mrs. Luganbill telling us that, oh, oh, that jumped forward, that Jonah was a coward. I, I guess I want to say to you that I, I'm not sure Jonah was a coward. Let me tell you a little bit about the setting. The setting of the story is an earlier time in the capital of Israel, and uh, this was their main enemy. 
Assyria, which succeeded in conquering Israel in 721 BC. So who would want to go about, who would want to go to Nineveh? It was certainly not Jonah, the spokesman for the people of God. Now Jonah was clearly a man after God's heart. You may not know because Nineveh was the capital of Syrian Empire, it had a nickname. Nineveh was called that bloody city. If you look it up in the scripture, now I'm 3-1, and they were uh, shoving their wickedness in God's face. The Assyrians were a brutal nation, uh, one known for hanging enemies on posts and flaying them and lining their city walls with skins. Another, another um, of the ancient drawings shows uh, the kings and his men hacking apart people while they're still alive. Yet another king bragged about creating so much blood that the horses waded through it like a river. That's how they got the name the Bloody City. And today, Nineveh is the oldest and most populous city of the ancient Assyrian Empire, situated on the east bank of the Tigris River and encircled by the modern city of Mosul, Iraq. You know anything about that space? There's still a lot of evil going on there, a lot of people losing their heads, and a lot of anger against our God. In fact, the, uh, there, was a, uh, there was a tribute to Jonah, one of the oldest tributes in the world in the city, and when, when the uh, Taliban came through, they blew it up. So God, Jonah thought, I don't, I don't see myself going there. I don't see my head on a stick. And so before we judge, judge Jonah too harshly for being coward, uh, think about one of us going to Mosul right now to share the gospel. And Jonah thought God would forgive them, and he didn't want that. In his heart, uh, Jonah didn't, didn't want that. So he wanted to obey God. Does anybody identify with this? He wanted to obey God. So he got on a ship, but going in the opposite direction. Can I get an amen from anybody? <laughs> he went to Tarshish, which is Spain, in order to get away from God. So God sent a storm, and Jonah saw another way to escape. He persuaded the sailors to throw him overboard, and the ship would be saved. The sailors didn't want to do that. But Jonah thought, well, maybe I'll drown, and that'll be okay. But sure enough, you know the story. God sent the fish. Jonah found himself back on dry ground after the fish vomited him on shore. Some people say, some scholars say, that Jonah uh, was bathed in the acid of the fish's belly, and so he looked white as a ghost, and so may have been actually quite helpful in his, uh, in his pilgrimage. So Jonah again was confronted by God. Get up and go. Jonah still did not want to go to Nineveh, but he had one hope. Maybe they would not repent, and God would destroy them after all. Can I get an amen? Anybody else do anything that God's called you to do, but with hesitation, or maybe God's plan won't work out, so I'll jump in? At least one studied scholar wrote that Jonah was not excited about what he was doing. He went only partway into the city and then gave the shortest sermon on record. Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. We don't know a whole much more about what he said. But incredibly, 
These persons who did not believe in Yahweh repented, all of them, including the king, who called for a general fast and put on sackcloth and ashes. The king recognized that repentance does not guarantee anything. God remains free to accomplish his divine will. The king did everything he could to save his people. Jonah also knew that God was free to do whatever God wanted. For the king, that was a word of hope. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of us, especially in this modern day, think that we're in charge of our lives. Let me give you a a pseudo quote from Tozer who said, Go ahead, little man, strut and boast, encouraged by the sound of your own voice. Proclaim yourself God. But remember, God neither tells you the time of your first word nor your last. We belong to God. And the courageous Jonah, I'm recasting Jonah, the courageous Jonah is said in the scripture to bear witness to us that God wants to use us just like he wanted to use them. And I don't know about you, but in my own life, when I find that the Lord is speaking to me, he's usually not just speaking to me. The stuff of revival is an awakening of people beginning to pay attention in mass. Not in, and God did not make us for lives of independence, but interdependence. That's in our design. I, the thing about Jonah is, he may have been, God may have been talking to thousands of people in his region, or millions. But Jonah took up the cross. Now, it's a private thing for you, and you may think I'm too old, like me. You may be looking at a plot just down the road. You may have your coffee buddies that you like to always be with and your friends that you eat dinner with on Saturday night and have barbecues. And the Lord may be saying, it's not for you to be comfortable. It's for you to be obedient, for you to listen to my voice, and for you to live into all which I... Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, that the great artist... God made us that through Christ Jesus we would achieve all the things that he envisioned for us at the beginning of time when he made you and me. So the bottom line is that I'm telling you, now I'm going to testify a little bit. I'm telling you that in my story I had enormous, enormous, enormous anxiety about leaving. Now my father is a really quiet man. But uh, nonetheless, he came to my door on a Sunday, a Sunday afternoon, a blue sky, sunny Sunday afternoon. We're all going to have our family meal at my house. And he knew that I was struggling. So he says, uh, are you familiar with Ephesians 2.10? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you're struggling with this, thinking, well, this is all Old Testament, Dr. Hall, you know, I don't know if that applies anymore, then just race forward to Luke 5, 1 through 11, where Jesus is calling his first disciples. And he's down, he's down, on the, uh, he's down at the Sea of Gennesaret uh, or Galilee, 
and the crowd's pushing in, and he asks Simon, can I use your boat to push myself out a little bit to have a, a little bit of amphitheater? Now Simon and his buddies have been out on the water all day, and they are tired, and they are stinking, and they are washing their nets, and they are not really in the mood for all these people to be all around, they're up in their stuff. But they're courteous because Jesus is who Jesus is, so they wait. And then afterwards, what does Jesus say? Get your net back in your boat, go out a little further, and they're like, oh man, we're stinking, we're tired, and now you're asking us. And they go out and they throw their nets out, and what happens? This is a little bit interactive. Anybody? They have more fish than they can possibly pull in. And so I just ask you to, to move that forward in your own life and ask yourself, have you been reticent to throw your nets out? And maybe, maybe you're not being asked to move across the country. And by the way, this is where I'm not Jonah and Redding's not um, Nineveh. Uh, the Lord was talking to a whole bunch of people. And when I arrived, um, I was simply one of several people who had been obedient to the Father's call. <clears throat> Since that time, our accreditation has gone to the highest level. Uh, we, were, we were praying for God's provision. You know, uh, we, we, had a, we had a warning and a probation on the university because of some things that had happened in the past. And the team that we had the pleasure of assembling was a team that was all after God's heart. And we rewrote the strategic plan and did zero-based budgeting and just did all kinds of things. And, and, a, and we had 40 days. Funny thing, it's a biblical word. We really had 40 days. The accrediting agency said you had 40 days to... to uh, write a new plan and write a new application for accreditation, which usually takes three years. Uh, we did it, and, and on the 39th day, we had the car fires. And we said, what does the Lord want from us? We opened up the university on one side of campus. The whole university, uh, all of the residence halls were being flipped every eight hours. We had at least 40 four-wheel drive fire trucks on our campus all of the North State chippies, traveling nurses, Cal Fire, uh, traveling, um, uh, sorry, I said traveling nurses, and several engine houses from out of state. And every eight hours we were flipping the beds and feeding those guys so they could go back out and save our community. And then on the other side of campus, we opened up the gym. We had 160, literally two days before we had to submit this report, we suspended everything and just turned everything to what God called us to do on that day. We had 160 beds on the other side of, in the gym. And the whole campus community just poured out. And the whole community said, look at what Simpson's doing over there. This is your university, by the way. Look what Simpson's doing over there. It wasn't one guy. It was a whole bunch of people paying attention to what God's call was on their life. I can't help but wonder if I see this amazing facility in this amazing community, if God isn't doing something of the substance, the powerful substance of revival right here. 
And maybe he's asking you to push that one more gear. You've been afraid to push that one more gear. Or maybe in your personal life there's someone, and you don't even think you're the one that's wrong. But you need to go to somebody and say, I'm sorry, our relationship has come apart. I don't know why. But I just need to, I just need to be present to you and let Christ flow through me. I know at Simpson, there was a lot of people who were hurt, and my whole first year, I had to say I'm sorry to people I'd never met before, more than I ever imagined in my whole life. Because universities like churches can run over people, and they don't even know it. But this is what I can tell you. Not too long, not too long later, oh, by the way, we were, uh, we were planning, you can't have a new major when you're on probation or warning. But we prayed, and the Lord said, go ahead and plan new majors. And a lot of people said, we can't do that. I said, yeah, yeah, we can. Because the Lord said it. And we even called it something. We called it Simpson Rising. Because the Lord was saying to me, there are far too few, too many of our children, if you think about the Great Commission, too many of our children are coming up in our churches and then they're going off to places for higher education where there are too many people bent on disequilibrating and damaging their faith. I felt the Lord saying, you need to be a light on a hill. Now, Reading is interesting. If, if the Bible Belt were an archipelago, we're like the last island way out there. And so Simpson is in the right place at the right time. So here's some things that happened. God blessed us with starting up an international recruitment. We brought in 24 new international students immediately. We restarted soccer in one week. <laughs> women's soccer, sorry. And we brought in 24 women's soccer players who, by the way, now have played in postseason play tournaments two years in a row. Um, four months later, our accreditor, and I've ne no one has ever heard of this before, our accreditor reversed both warning and probation. The next week, we submitted digital media, computer information systems, engineering, kinesiology, and they're all up and running. We started new sports. Yes, yeah, thank you. We start. This is a clap for God. We started new sports. Uh, you're going to laugh at the last one, so I'll save it for last. Women's wrestling. You know, that's the fastest growing Latina sport in the nation. Twelve out of our 14 wrestlers are Mexican women, and they are incredibly good. We took three to nationals this year. We started swimming. We got 10th in the nationals this year as a team for the whole nation. We started uh, men's volleyball, and they went in the postseason play this year and got ranked, got ranked votes for top teams in the nation and four, four players in the top uh, conference team. And then finally, uh, bass fishing, which is, is taking the world by storm. How great is it that a Christian university can have a fishing team? And we give scholarships. Here's another thing that we're able to do now. We're able to give half-tuition scholarships to all of our Alliance family. Yeah, that's right. So, so, uh, so God was up to something. We were just obedient. Zach, I can't imagine what the message is for this church because this is awesome. The energy here, the music, the place... The opportunity to go out and ask other people, as you've said, to come and join. 
This is all the stuff that the Father wants to see. Can I get an amen on that? All right, I'll finish up now. So, when I was preparing for this, the Lord led me to this uh, final word in 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 6 through, uh, I'll just go through 8. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves the cheerful giver. Folks, I'm not talking about your pocketbook. I'm talking about are you willing to bow your heads today and say, Lord, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm not partly in. This is not hokey pokey. I'm putting my whole body in and turn myself about. And I'm going to, I'm going to, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, put your whole body on the altar as a living sacrifice. Folks, I've got a little Jonah voice this morning. So I'm just going to speak to you. I believe on behalf of the good Lord. It's time. It's time to be all in. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate your hospitality. Well, on behalf of the Awakening Church, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Hall and just bringing such a great message to us. Guys, if you guys have students, whether they're in high school or currently in college, I know that for me, going to a Christian university was massively impactful to my faith. And it was something being around other Christians that continuing to be able to grow is what God is truly done in my life, a work in my life to be able to get me here today to be able to answer his call into ministry. And so if you guys have those students, or even if you yourself are pursuing to go back to college for some sort of reason, I highly, highly recommend to be able to have a conversation with Dr. Hall. He'll be out in the uh, Venue D area for you guys to be able to talk to with any questions for that. But for right now, I'm just going to have everybody stand up. If I can have uh, David and Dr. Hall to go, you guys can go ahead and head out. Guys, as we go into this week, allow this week to be one where God can continue to grow in us, that he can allow us to figure out what call that he has for us. So as you continue to go, continue to seek after Christ and continue to allow him to not only work in your life, but do a work in your family's life. Amen. You guys are dismissed.